Grand Rising, Grand Rising, Peace and Love family. How y'all doing on this beautiful Saturday Rising? We hope y'all having a beautiful, blessed, and a phenomenal day. This is SFA Charlotte, Charlotte's premier Black-owned podcast. We're coming to y'all with the knowledge, with the wisdom, with the intellectual conversations. And just like last week, and the week before that, and the week before that, and the month before that, because you know, we do this every week, y'all. We're coming back at y'all with another amazing episode. But before I get into the topic, I got to introduce y'all to my powerful team. This is like, you know, it's a powerhouse over here, y'all. You Like, we, we feed off of each other, you know. I wouldn't be who I am if it wasn't for these amazing, phenomenal, and just so loving, supportive, caring, nurturing men. I appreciate y'all so much. Let me go ahead and introduce y'all to my amazing team. We got my brother Knoxless. Oh, thank you, Keys. That was a beautiful introduction. I love you back. Peace, y'all. Listen, yo. She, oh, man. You just, my heart warm already. Amen. Amen. And let me introduce y'all to my big brother, Brother Stokes. What it do, McGrew? I'm here for you just like you here for me, and you know how we do, so get it going. Amen. So today, y'all, we're going to be talking about sisterhood. You know, we had the conversation and talking about manhood. So today, we're going to be talking to y'all about sisterhood. And I want to start this conversation just by posing a question that Brother Stokes posted. And he shared on um, on Instagram. And I'm going to share the question that he posted with you all. And I'm going to give my response. And then the conversation is going to go from there. So the question was... How would you explain sisterhood? Now, when I first read that question, I'm like, man, you know, it's definitely like, okay, well, you know, I want to be very careful and intentional with my words. I feel like I can write paragraphs about this, but I don't want it to be too long. So I'm going to share y'all my thoughts on what sisterhood is. Sisterhood is a relationship. It is a powerful, supportive and loving network of black girls and black women. This network serves as a sanctuary for black women to be, to grow, to heal, to learn, to teach, to release, to nurture, to give, and to receive. End quote. And in me writing that, I really just thought about my relationships with black women and not just, you know, in friendships, but my relationships with my family, my relationship with coworkers and just how I feel when I'm surrounded by black women. And that's really a culmination of some of the things that I experience and some of the things that I feel when I'm surrounded by black women, like the, the, the feeling is just so comforting and it feels safe. And I just feel I feel, I don't know, it's almost like a superpower or something. Like, I feel strong, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, I just want to expound a little bit and just, like, break down what I shared with you all about sisterhood and just break down what I said and things like that. So, and sisterhood being a relationship, you know, similar to your, so, and sisterhood being a relationship, this speaks to all types of relationships, friendships, 
uh, kinships, you know, your siblings, your cousins, your co-workers, your colleagues, your every relation, every type of relationship you can have with another Black woman. And in this space, Black women are able to be. And in having this relationship, you are able to share, exchange, release, and grow. And I feel like the main focus of sisterhood is to provide a space for Black women to do that because there are not many spaces that allow Black women to do that. Mm. And in having this space, specifically for Black women to do that, I feel like one of the things that makes sisterhood having sisterhood so unique is because it doesn't have any regulations or any limitations. I feel like in other spaces where, you know, Black women may be welcome, but they may not be accepting of Black women and how they exist, or they may not be accepting of Black women and how they speak or how they behave or how they look and things like that. I feel like in having sisterhood, you have so much freedom. And that's what one of the things that makes sisterhood so important and so powerful. And I feel like in having sisterhood, Black women are able to come together and be without judge, be free from judgments from the world. So I want to get into the second component of my piece and sisterhood being a powerful, loving and supportive network of black women and black girls. And I wanted to place emphasis on black women and black girls because I feel that it's important to keep the generations connected. And Mm -hmm. I feel that, you know, just as black women can teach black girls black girls can teach black women so I feel Hello. Like there's the educational piece you know we're able to learn from each other we're able to teach each other and not only that we're able to grow because where you cannot learn you cannot grow oh <laughs> that was a bar that was a whole bar jeez <laughs> Thanks. Run that back. Yo, rewind. <laughs> <laughs> run that back, cuz. You can't just say that one time and just run off on the plug. So, I place emphasis on having the presence of black women and black girls because this places emphasis on the teaching component. You know, in having black women, black women are able to teach black girls just as black girls are able to teach black women. And it's important to have that because we're able to learn and we're able to grow because where you cannot learn you cannot grow and we need that in our world in our communities we need that so it's it's very important that we have both black women and black girls present and having this sisterhood and i will also say in having sisterhood that power of connection, y'all, is just so strong. Like, when you just have so many Black women together that love on each other, it's just like, oh, man. I'm trying to find a visual, but I can't think of one. I just think of, like, this this bright light. Like, you know, it can start off pulsating. Or, like, even so the, the scene that comes to mind in the movie Avatar, right? There's the scene where they are praying, because um, I know it happened a couple of times, but they were praying 
um, to their deity and everyone was connected by their halos and they were holding hands and it was just like that pulsating light and then it just grew stronger and stronger and stronger. That connection, I feel like when it comes to having sisterhood and just being among black women, like I feel that. And it's just so important because, you know, it provides not just a place for you to learn, a place for you to grow, a place for you to be free from judgments of the world, but it's a place where you feel safe and you feel comfortable. And I know for black women and for black girls, having that is so it's, it's essential because there's so many places in the world where we do not receive that. Now I'm talking about that a little bit later, you know, we're going to keep it going, you know, um, but in sisterhood and having this network, this powerful network and having this connectivity, it provides a support group for black women and for black girls when other spaces fail to do so. And now I'm going to talk a little bit about why having that network is so important because, you know, there's times or occasions where a black woman or a black girl may speak up about something, whether if it's something she disagrees with, whether if it's about an experience she encountered um, with someone else, or it's something, you know, an idea that she has and she speaks up about it and, people are not always receptive to that. You know, there can be some kind of backlash or there could be no action at all or there can be um, a dismissive tone to what she chose to to speak up about. And I feel like in having that network of Black women, like we're supportive of each other. Yes, sis, go for it. Go ahead, do it. I'm so proud of you. Yes. Yes, sis, you deserve that job. You deserve that position. I'm so happy to see you here. Or even when it comes to traumatic experiences, I'm here for you. If you need someone to talk to, if you need someone to hold your hand, or if you just need a hug, I'm here for you. I feel like sisterhood provides that for Black women. And I know even for me, you know, in having experiences where I speak up for myself, you know, Sometimes I would have that concern of, oh, well, I hope my job isn't being threatened or, oh, well, I hope I didn't upset this person so much that they want to do something to harm me or I hope that these people don't see me as being the angry black woman, even though I have every right to be angry, but, you know, (sighs) Don't get me started on that. I was about to say, we digress. Right. Right. Or, you know, I hope this doesn't mean I will no longer be invited to social outings because now people see me as always having a problem when I'm really just speaking up about my, I'm speaking up for myself, you know? And just for, to any black woman or black girl listening to this right now, I just want to encourage you to continue to be the powerhouse that you are and to continuously speak up for yourself. And I know sometimes it can be very scary because, you know, you are more concerned about the backlash you may receive than the support that you may receive. And I just want to let you know you got support right here. Right here, baby. I support you. Okay? I'm here for you. And that's why having that network and having sisterhood is so important. Like, even when you're at work, it sucks being the only Black woman. I, I don't like that. 
I I really I really really don't like that. And then even in being if you're not the only black woman, it's like you kind of got to read the room cuz you know just because you know there is another black woman, she may not be a, she not she may not be as loving as you would desire or as you may want her to be. But well, I'll talk about that a little bit later as well. Um, <laughs> um, but one of the things that sisterhood offers is a space for women to speak up for themselves and where people listen, where women listen to each other. They don't judge you. They don't demean you. They don't attack you. They don't make you feel bad. They listen to you. They understand you. They accept you and they love you. Even if they don't agree, you can still do those things and not agree with the person. So now I just want to move on to explaining why sisterhood is so important. And I'm actually going to share a couple of quotes I pulled from Black Feminist Thoughts. This is the book written by Patricia Hill Collins. I would encourage all of you to read it however you choose to identify when it comes to your gender. I would encourage everyone to read this book. So one of the first quotes I have, I received from page 102, and it reads, in the comfort of daily conversations, through serious conversation and humor, African-American women as sisters and friends affirm one another's humanity, specialness, and right to exist, end quote. And my next quote comes from page 103. It reads, this issue of black women being the ones who really listen to one another is significant, particularly given the importance of voice in black women's lives, end quote. And I, was, I just wanted to share those just to reiterate that there's not many spaces where black women can freely be themselves and be free from judgment, from projections, from assumptions, from abuse, from sexism, from homophobia, from oppression. Sisterhood gives us that space. And sisterhood allows black women to define themselves. And that is so important. Rather than being defined through society, by society or by men or by anybody who is not a black woman. Defining ourselves is very important. And if you are surrounded by black women, and you don't feel this, all that I'm speaking about, you may have to locate, build, nurture, and cultivate such a space. And I chose those words carefully because, you know, I do understand that, you know, not all Black women may be this way, or, you know, not all relationships may operate in this way. And it is one of those things where you have to cultivate it and you have to nurture it. And it's possible, you know, it may take some uncomfortable conversations, but it's doable. It's definitely doable. So I wanted to read a few more quotes from Black Feminist Thought by Patricia Hill Collins. And in reading these quotes, she pretty much talks about the relationships between Black men and Black women. And pretty much in talking about those things, she was saying why she didn't, 
specifically say why sisterhood is important, but she was just saying why black women, you know, pretty much black women have this, they feel alone. And she was explaining why black women feel alone. And I'm just going to share those quotes with y'all and then we can get into some commentary. And I'll just ask y'all for y'all opinions and give y'all commentary on everything. So the first quote I have comes from page 160. I'm not going to lie to you guys. This one is pretty lengthy, but it's a good one. It reads, many black women want loving sexual relationships with black men, but instead end up alone. Black men may be the closest to black women and thus receive the lion's share of the blame for all the daily ways that black women are caused to feel less worthy. Yet the society, this societal judgment and rejection of black women permeates the entire culture. As Carla Halloway points out, quote, the tragic loneliness black women consistently face as we stand before judgmental others, sometimes white, but sometimes black, sometimes male, but sometimes female, demands that we have some wisdom, experience, and some passion with which to combat this abuse, end quote. For African-American women, rejection by whites is one thing. Rejection by black men is entirely another. And coping with the loneliness of not finding black male partners, quote, wisdom, experience, and some passion, end quote, become weapons. So the next quote I have comes from page 153. It reads, those proclaiming that black men experience a more severe form of racial oppression than black women routinely counsel African-American women to subjugate our needs to those of black men. However, advising black women to unquestioningly support sexual harassment, domestic violence, and other forms of sexism done by U.S. black men buttresses a form of sexual politics that differently controls everyone as audrey lord queries quote if society ascribes roles to black men which they are not allowed to fulfill is it black women who must bend and alter our lives to compensate or is it society that needs changing end quote and i got one more one more this one this one is, is not as long it's not as long This quote, holy crap. Okay. This quote I have is on page 157 and it reads, failure to challenge an overall climate that not only defines black masculinity in terms of black men's ability to own and control their women and black femininity in terms of black women's ability to help U.S. black men feel like men can foster African-American women's abuse. Black men who feel that they cannot be men unless they are in charge can be highly threatened by assertive black women, especially those in their households, end quote. So in reading those quotes, it definitely made me think about some of the relationships uh, between black, and, black men and black women that I witnessed, even my own relationships with black men. And before I ask my question, I just want to, I want to ask y'all about y'all comments here. Like, what do you guys think about these quotes that I've shared or everything that I've shared for that matter? Well, I'm heavy. Um, I'm going to be honest. Uh, <laughs> uh, good day, you know. 
It's not every day of your life you get red. Um, but um, just so clearly, uh, it it it's shocking and it's gut wrenching because it's true, and it it just really it really makes me. It, honestly, the whole time you were talking, it it hurt, but it was just like it's such a huge responsibility being a black man and being with a black woman or just being a black man. Period, because. It's sad that women can only have that space to be themselves amongst other black women. But a black woman should be able, with her black man, to be that as well in his space. And not a lot of black men provide the opportunity or the space for black women to be that. And I have to humble myself and say I have been a victim of that. Well, I've been the the... I don't know. I've just done it to my lady. And it hurts because you never you never want to diminish your your lady. And but you you do it so unintentionally and just like you like it's like it's like you're moving like a robot, like you're not even thinking. So it just really brought me back to like just being present. Being present for women and just being there. Like, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to do everything. But if you're there, just let them know you're there. Offer help. Just let them know you're there. Because half the time, they just they just want to know that. Because women just want, want security. They want to, like, uh, Keek said it. She said, women are afraid because they can't be themselves anywhere. So that's why our job as black men is to protect them. Like, no. Yeah, she can talk to you like that because she's what? A grown woman. You need to get red. Sit down. That's our job to step up and to be the extra voice for them in, in support and not just wait for a black woman to come and be there. So whew, that was my, that's my very first, just right off the top, just to get some because I'm still heavy. But yeah. <laughs> Brother Stokes. I'm 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 truly joyful. And the reason why I'm joyful is because when listening, which is the only position I'm gonna have, you know, I thank you for asking me for commentary, but I'm listening because it's I'm joyful because I'm listening because this is a conversation that yes, black men need to be able to have access to without ever thinking they need to add their voice. So when we should be able, whether it's two women, five women, a hundred women, we should be able to be lovingly invited into the space, if necessary, to witness sisterhood in its fullness and its glory. But we should never think we breach the atmosphere of sisterhood to throw our voice in. Like, even if we think we should say, oh, this is amazing. Like, bro, fight saying that. Like, wait till you get home. 
and just reflect on it. But yeah, I'm joyful. Everything I've heard, I'm joyful. And to the, uh, specifically to the last three quotes that you uh, spoke, that you gave us, mm-hmm. we definitely, as Black men, are not aware. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just be honest. We're not aware. Not excuse, but in, in, I think it was the second quote, in the construct of the American society, we are unaware of our women because we do, as a, as, as a majority, Black men do think what they go through in a day has some form of superiority over the black woman. So my struggle should be the struggle that we concentrate on. Let me get over my struggle and then baby, I can worry about your struggle. But that, 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 uh, what's the, that's a false narrative. Like that's a false narrative and we have to figure out how to become aware so that we don't do that, so that we no longer do that, so that that becomes a past issue that the whole entire Black community has eradicated. Hmm. I appreciate your honesty and your openness. I really, really do. Um, and even in reading these quotes and just reading reading about this, I was like, well, I definitely, I was able to connect the dots. And I know in the book itself, she, she specifically references certain musicians or certain films. I know one of them that she mentioned was The Color Purple, how Mr. Would Abuse Sealy. Mm-hmm. And just saying how, you know, like Black black men all this need for having control or this need of feeling like you own a woman you know and how that can come out as abuse you know it can um what's and, the and, for? I want to say something right 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 quick and no. I feel like I feel like the reason the reason men have the need to want to control a woman is because they may feel like that's the only thing they can control. Mm. Oh, wow. But it's really, it's, but it's really showing like if you're trying to control someone else and you can't do it, then you can't control yourself. Mm. That's self-control, man. Yeah, that joint just came up in me, so I had to get out say it real quick. Go ahead. And yeah. I know um, she even mentioned Aretha Franklin. I know I'm not too familiar with her music, but I know she kind of wove, um, she recited some of her lyrics just in giving her synopsis about, you know, and talking about Black women's relationships with Black men. But it's very interesting because even when I think about, like, you know, relationships in my family and things like that, like, I, I mean, well, I don't know about now. I don't really ask them too often about you know who they're dating or whatnot but I know there's a lot of black women in my family um but I know that there have been some 
you know, some women have experienced some types of abuse in my family. So it was just very interesting to read up on these things and just really get, you know, like some, mm-hmm. some research behind it. So I have a question for you both. As a black man, what are some experiences and things you've had to learn and may still be learning about how to love, uplift, and support black women and black girls? Oh, Rick. Honestly, the faster the faster you master self, the faster you master it all, yo. Like, I think that's that's the thing that I've learned in, because I am engaged to a lovely black woman. Okay. Uh, sh- shout out to Christy Joyner. I love her. Um, But yeah, like, it's crazy because whenever, whenever we go through our ebbs and flows or miscommunication or anything like that, I will like my 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 ego and my first reaction is to blame her, like put it all on her, like put it all on her face. Like, oh, you did it, you did this, but then it's just like I really look at the situation like from a bird's eye view, like really just like take myself out of it almost, but look at it like a separate situation, but still get myself into it at the same time, and I see like. Majority of the time is me. And it's me projecting, like I project so well that I don't even recognize my own projection. So it's really um, but then when I'm on my P's and Q's, when I'm just like really doing my self-work, really just building myself up, like the relationship is is it's easy. It's easy. There's that I have a lot more space to think, a lot more creativity, a lot more just energy just to just move because I'm not bogged down by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like when you're so bogged down by yourself, that's why you feel like your stuff is superior because, I mean, essentially it is, but it ain't. Like, your, your journey is superior to you, but it's not superior to everybody else. So, it's... it's um. Yeah, like take care, take care of yourself, man. Like, honestly, if you're single, before you walk to that lady, like take care, make sure you good. Like, make sure you can be good by yourself. Like, don't feel like you need, you need to rely on her because in a relationship, like, oh, it'll just show. It'll, it'll just show itself. Or if you know you and you know what you need to do to stay on your dean, to stay on your P's and Q's, to stay in alignment with your higher self, then continue to do that as you go talk to her, after you talk to her, if y'all decide to build into a relationship, continue to do your self-work. Because it's in the self-work, it's in the building of yourself that really, um, yeah, that really spreads the roots and the foundation to the family. And allows for the woman to be her full self without your restrictions. Because you just dare to uplift her. So, yeah. Amen. Amen. Man. uh, Thank you, Noxless. That was great. Um, You're welcome. You know, when I examine myself, and I look at where I have, <clears throat> excuse me, where I've come up short 
where I have outright failed, where I have been wicked because I've done things on purpose to black women in my past. It, all of it mixed together puts me in a place now to, and, and y'all have heard me say this before, I'm just, I'm learning how to respect women as whole entities by themselves, no possession. Like nothing a woman does if she is connected to me demands that I put my hands on it. You know, again, I can love you without needing to possess you. I don't have to put my hands on you. I don't have to put my thoughts. I can do my best to work with you and continually communicate with you where I can see a, a, a miscommunication happen or where I can see I'm not actually comprehending how we can move this thing together forward because forward is the only way we should be moving. Right. Um, when it comes to the upliftment of black women, you know, just being simply a brother, even if we are in relationships. And what I mean by that is brothers know how to invest in their sisters, even if the only type of investment they can make is the hand clap. Like I see you. Like it, Okay, making sure she knows I see her. Making sure she knows if I am available, I will be present and then show up. Like that's, that's, that's one of them hard things for, for men, particularly black men. Like sometimes we think just saying the thing is enough. Sometimes we think showing up without letting them know we were going to show up is enough. And like, you got to know that two-step uh, two combination, brother. So to uplift, I try to ensure, I'm not saying I get it right all the time. I try to ensure that I'm taking that brotherly role with a black woman so that she knows she's seen. And, you know, just, just always all, well, I'm learning, I'm learning. Let me not say always, that's, that's braggadocious. I'm learning how to be more attentive to my communication because there was a time in my past where I would just say what I felt like saying. And if it offended you, meaning it offended a woman, it offended a black woman, you know, oh, well, grow thicker skin. But I am way more wiser now. I'm not perfect in my communication, but I am learning how to be more attentive with my communication when speaking to black women. And that, that's 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 me right now. Amen. And having that awareness is aware having yeah, awareness and working on that you know, is always 
a great start because like you said Kaylin like men are not some a lot of men are not aware and even in um in reading those quotes it was one of those things where it's like for me I was like okay well I I don't remember when this book was published but it was one of those things where it's like okay well is she insinuating that black men don't support black women at all or is it one of those things where it's like black men support black women until this point and I feel like it was more so of an until this point and I feel like when it comes to when it comes to the until this point it's usually that where if I can't control you or if I can't own you or if I can't master you then I'm not going to be there for you I'm not going to support you I'm not going to protect you and things like that and that's usually where the abuse comes in as well um and just the you know phys- I mean there's various kinds of abuse you know there's physical abuse there's emotional abuse there's mental abuse and there is financial spirit, as well financial spiritual abuse. abuse well see hey it's so many kinds of abuse bless her I need to look into those. I, I got to research those. Uh, but just making sure, you know, just because you may not physically be harming someone there's or abusing someone, there's, there's, very, there's different kinds of abuse. And you just want to make sure that you're not being an abuser to anyone, you know, whether that person is your partner, um, your sister, your brother, your mother, you know, it's not healthy. So. Check my- yourself. Exactly. Yes. Check yourself. Hold yourself accountable. Okay. Hold yourself accountable and have an accountability partner. That's good too. Um, so my next question for y'all is more so of a, I guess the other one's a personal one too, but this one is personal as well or opinionated. When you see a group of black women together, they could be socialized and they can be eating. They could be dancing. They could be conversing. What do you feel? I feel joy. Yeah, just the overwhelming I, love. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Love and joy. Like, like just warm. Mm. Mm, I just, I just, I just, I just, just, just warm and just get intrinsically happy. Like a little kid, like oh, black woman. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> I don't know. It's just, and it's, and it's not even like a. Like a oh, I'm ready to like, like chop them down, add them to my belt. It's just like a a, a pure joy, like, mm-hmm. like a like a, a, a like you getting your you getting a your like you getting that bike back when you were little and you see it, like oh my goodness, like what, like yeah, like just like that that feeling that warmth, that's what I feel. Yeah. I definitely can agree with that. That's how I feel, especially when I see black women in a workplace. I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Hey, girl, how you doing? Yes, 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 yes. I definitely, yeah. I totally That's why that, that sketch, that one particular sketch on uh, a black lady sketch show about the <laughs> black lady courtroom. Yes. That's <laughs> that sketch is so... Uh, of course, it's supposed to be funny. You're supposed to laugh, but that's why it's one of the most popular sketches because literally, you get to see how black women. You get to see sisterhood even from a comedic fashion. Mm-hmm. You get to see what sisterhood looks like, and then this last season, 
when they added the black woman jury. And that was just, I was just like, wow. That was funny. And they had to kick the dude out. <laughs> right, right. He, you know, of course, yeah. They, they, they was like, this is not the space for you. And, and again, not diminishing or subjugating or, you know, uh, belittling, but just really like, come on, man, this is not, this is not for you. And now, you know, so yeah, I'm, yeah, that joy, that, that joy of just watching black women together. And of course, you know, I'll add the, 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 I'll go to church on it too. You know, whenever you see a group of black women together, that atmosphere is never going to be the same. That spot where they dwell is never going to be the same after they leave. Like they have left an indelible mark in the atmosphere in that spot. So yeah, yeah, black girls rock. Amen. Okay. Facts. Okay. Yes. Okay. Facts. No printer. Yes. 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 So now, ouch. I'm sorry. Mm, don't hurt yourself. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to switch the conversation a little bit and. Skirt. You know, we're just going to talk a little bit about, you know, what's what's been in, I guess, pop culture, the conversations in pop culture for the past couple, maybe a few weeks. I'm not sure if people are still talking about it. Maybe it's just me, but um, we're going to talk ahead, about sir. this whole pajama and hair bonnet thing. And, you know, it's important to talk about this because it specifically pertains to black women. And, you know, we're talking about sisterhood, and I'm going to just share with y'all, you know, some of the conversations I've been having with people about this whole situation. So, you know, everyone, I don't even know where the conversation came from. I think someone posted a tweet, and since that person posted a tweet, pretty much everyone gave their commentary about how they feel about Black women wearing their hair bonnets out in public. And it went from hair bonnets to pajamas and hair, I mean, not hair slippers, and uh, house shoes out in public, going to the store, going to the airport, things like that. Everyone's just giving their commentary. And then Monique said everything that she said. And that just received even more commentary. And, you know, the commentary, I'm not, you know, the conversation is still going on. So... I share the flyer on my Facebook page in our SFA Charlotte asking people, do we hate black women? And I don't remember specifically what I said, but I know it was along the lines of if you are one of those people that have been talking about black women wearing their hair bonnets outside, yes, you hate black women. And I have received, you know, well, not I, we have received a bunch of commentary pertaining to that. And pretty much it was my relatives just giving their comments about the whole thing just saying how you know it's tacky and people shouldn't be doing it and your hair bonnet your pajamas are meant to be worn in the house and you shouldn't be wearing those outside and it's ghetto it's ratchet it's unclassy and you know in addition to 
that, you know, just thinking about the commentary that Monique gave and her talking about the whole thing. I can't remember every single thing that she said, but I know she pretty much was saying something along the same lines and just saying how, you know, you're a queen, you should look presentable and you should not walk outside wearing these things, looking this way. And if you do that, you're not a queen and child. Listen, I feel like using words such as tacky, ghetto, ratchet, unclassy, those words are specifically used to talk about Black people. And if we want to be more specific, Black women. Because who, who do people call ratchet? Who do people call ghetto? Not Kim Kardashian. Right. Black women. So in people and in black women using that same language to talk about black women you're doing the exact same thing that other people have done like those terms being used to talk about black women in a demeaning way you're doing the same things and I feel like that's not a model of sisterhood that's not a good model of sisterhood because I feel like you know in having sisterhood you know we we all go ahead rewind everything that we talked about you know sisterhood is the space where you are able to be yourself you're able to I'm gonna just reread what I said you earlier sisterhood is a relationship it is a powerful supportive and loving network of black girls and black women this network serves as a sanctuary for black women to be to grow to heal to learn to teach, to release, to nurture, to give, and to receive. Now, I know some people have also said, oh, when her saying that she wasn't wrong, you know, she's giving uh, her feedback to women who do that, you know, and teaching them how to be presentable and how they should walk outside the house and things like that, which I told it's like, I get that, but I want to say, I just want to add that our idea of what's presentable we have all internalized the United States of America, the United States of America's concept of what's presentable. And if we want to be really serious about it, their concept of and their idea of what's presentable is not inclusive to black people at all. I mean, not I even give, people. Right. Like, I don't give a damn if you're wearing a tuxedo or a, a, a very formal gown. That's not inclusive to black people whatsoever. So, just think they dress their dogs and stuff, and they think of us as dogs. So, if you're wearing a good suit, you're just a dog in a suit. Like that, that whole standard, you know, it's it doesn't pertain to us. And I feel that again, and people, this whole idea of what's presentable, what's presentable to you may not be presentable to the next person, it's different. And not only that, the world is changing. Like once upon a time, it wasn't seen as professional to come to work and have to be in a professional space and have tattoos. That's changing. Because mm-hmm. people understand that just because you have tattoos, that does not mean that you're incapable of doing the job. You're a criminal. Right. Or, Same thing with locks. Right. Oh. Like, that doesn't mean that you can't, you can't do the job. Like, you know, it's a way that, you know, we style our hair. It's a, it's a way that people, yeah, choose to style their hair. That has nothing to do with the profession whatsoever. It's natural. (laughs) And this whole idea of, 
oh, well, that's unprofessional. I, I, I hear you, but understand that if the society decided that everybody can wear pajamas to that wearing pajamas to the beach was okay everybody be at the beach in pajamas if society decided everybody you know we gonna wear our pajamas to work that's what people gonna be at work in their pajamas the point that i'm making is that we have internalized what society has deemed as acceptable and what's not acceptable and people saying that it's unacceptable for, for people to for black women to be outside in their pajamas you have internalized societal standards of what's acceptable and what's presentable and what's not presentable. Not only that, it's all, somebody always has something to say when it comes to black women and their hair. If your hair not done, somebody gonna have something to say. If you got your hair bonded on, somebody got a problem. Still, Somebody still got something to say. If you're wearing a wig or you're wearing a weave, somebody got something to say because it's not your hair. It's fake. It's not grown out of your own head. But if you wear your natural hair, people will have a problem because it's too kinky and it doesn't, it has to have a specific curl pattern in order for it to be beautiful. Someone always has a freaking problem when it comes to black women in their hair. And I'm sick of it. Because, again, like, you know, why can't Black women just be? You don't have your hair done, somebody got something to say. You walk around with your hair bonnet, somebody got something to say. Damn it, if you're not paying for me to get my hair done, I don't want to hear nothing. Hello? Y'all know how long it takes for us to do our hair? She. You know how much it costs for us to do our hair. Whether you getting the box braids, the synagogue twists, the faux locks, the wigs, even that stuff costs money. And, and time. Everyone, right. And not everyone has the money or the time to invest in those things. So, okay, they may walk outside in a hair bonnet. Honestly, they probably just didn't feel like taking their hair bonnet off. They probably just, they probably did just get out of bed and decided to go to the store. But you know what? You don't know what their story is. You don't know what they're going through. They probably got kids at home. Let me just run to the store and get my kids some milk. You don't know what a person is going through. And I'm just so sick of people demeaning and talking down on black women about this. Because no matter what, people always have a problem about how we choose to dress or how we choose to style our hair. And I feel like if you are a woman who has criticized black women for doing that i feel like that's not a good display of sisterhood i feel like you are you know you should be able to love and accept your sisters you know regardless of what they hear regardless of what they wear and how they choose to style their hair because at the end of the day none of this matters it's about what's in your heart it's about what's in your spirit and i mean you know because i've had i've had conversations about my with my mom about this and she was saying you know you shouldn't be wearing no hair bonnet to an interview nobody even said that they're going to an interview where are these women they're at the airport they're running to walmart who the hell are you gonna see at the airport in walmart and i understand you know because my mom was also saying you know you never know who you may run into it could be a job opportunity and things like that or you may want to take a picture with someone and what you gonna take a picture with your hair bonnet on yes damn it shit I'm sorry. I didn't want to curse. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> we own this. We are independently black owned. Go off. <laughs> I just feel that at the end of the day, this shouldn't matter. And not only that, times are changing. Like no one at the people realize and know that pajamas 
hair bonnets, it's just clothing. And placing so much value in clothing, so much that you feel a need to police how a person chooses to dress themselves, why are you so enraged by that? Why do you feel the need to control how another person chooses to dress themselves? Why does that anger you to see people outside in their hair bonnet? But, child, I just feel like, you know, this is an opportunity to teach. This is an opportunity to learn. This is an opportunity to have, to exchange and have conversation about these things. Because people can develop low self-esteem because they feel that they have to maintain a certain look. And being a Black woman where everyone already critiques how you style your hair, that stuff is real. Black girls feel like they have to sit up here and have these, you know, just look a certain way in order to be beautiful because we know that the beauty standards are not inclusive to Black women. And I just feel that that whole idea of calling people tacky, ghetto, ratchet, and saying that they're not queens, and saying that they're not classy, I feel like that that is not a good display of sisterhood. And I know that is unacceptable. If we want to have this community that we always speak about, we have to overlook stuff like this. Like, who honest, honestly, who cares? Who cares? Why do you care so much? Maybe that's the question I need to ask. Why do you care so much? You know what? I know what I'm, I'm gonna have to make a phone call after we uh because <laughs> <laughs> Child, I really want to know why people are so enraged by this and just, you know, it's just not, it's it's just not something that I feel that we should, I'm not going to say that we shouldn't be talking about, I mean, I like that we're having this conversation because again, I feel like we're able to talk about the beauty standards and this whole concept of appearance and what's acceptable and what's professional and we can definitely talk about that in relation to the black community and how in corporate America you know the things that they see as professional when it comes to black people and I'm saying anybody going to work in their hair bonnet you know and even if they are I mean you know shit I mean it ain't got nothing to do with me that's all I'm saying how was that how was that preventing you from being the best version of yourself and why do we place so much value on your external appearance when it's really about what's within? But yeah, that's that's my take on that. Um, my question to you guys is, why do you think people are angry and bothered by Black women and how they choose to style their hair? Say it one more time. Why do you think people are angry and bothered by black women and how they choose to style their hair and wear their pajamas and their hair bonnets out in public. Well, as far as black women speaking on other black women, and even I would say black people speaking on black women, I feel like it's more so of a slave tie, like a generational tie. We have the slavery. Because when you think about it, a lot of things one person did affected the whole. Mm-hmm. So, like, just mentally envisioning being on a plantation and somebody going to act a fool. Mm-hmm. Then everybody got extra work. Everybody got extra stuff to do. Everybody got whatever. Punishment. Mm-hmm. 
So when you think of that and then you think of even honestly, even to today, you have if this one person does this, oh, you've ruined it. For example, because we all look to celebrities. When a celebrity, when a black celebrity does something, they feel like, oh, man, you didn't set us all back. Oh, man, now we got to outlive what you done did. Mm-hmm. So it's like a it's like a mirror effect. And I feel like that we never, we, we always, like, once we did that, mm-hmm. we adopted America's standards. But and that's the thing of, I feel like we were talking about this yesterday. Uh, well, not, well, anyway, we were talking about it during our production meeting. And um, I, I was saying how, like, like the mind, like, we changed, like, how, how did I say this? Basically, the mentality hasn't changed. It, it has just changed faces. But, the, like, the root of it is, is the same. But the leaves are changing. Hmm. So the root of it is, like, you can't be out here wearing a bonnet and, and dressing in pajamas because, God dog it, when they see you, they see me. Yeah. So if they see you looking like that, then that makes me look ratchet. And I don't want to look ratchet. So I need to tell you to stop doing what you're doing because what you're doing making me look bad. Because what you do it is affecting me because I've accepted to live by America's standards instead of defining my own. There it is. There it is. There it is. And it's, it is, and I understand because we had to do something at a time period. So, like, the, the, like, the struggle keeps going, but you're supposed to change tactics. You're supposed to change ways. We stayed in the same way as America changed. Hmm. And we, we, we have, we have to now, Define our standard. We're doing it. We're defining our standard. We're start. I feel the this the black populace, the black diaspora, the African diaspora as a whole, just coming together and getting stronger. But I just want us to to just keep that like we're defining our standard now. We're no longer living to a Western culture, uh, a American culture, a Christianity cultured experience we're defining our experience for ourselves if that's spirituality if that's buddhism if that's voodoo whatever that is you're defining it for you and i feel like when you're able to define your standards you don't you don't care about what anyone else got going on because that's them much love to your sister she got something going on but that had nothing to do with me she got she she must got she must know what she doing <laughs> she she's living by her standards um but I understand it. I understand it. It's just a thing of like, just, and I always, I'm always going to come back to it. I'm not even going to care if I sound like a broken record. It's about the self-work. It's about recognizing in yourself what you like and what you don't like and accepting the things that you don't like. So that when you see that come into your world, you've accepted it so it doesn't bother you anymore. Hmm. I'm so happy that you said that piece of like, you know, pretty much if you do it, then you making us all look bad because I feel like, you know, why is it that one, because of what one person chooses to do, why does that one person speak for the entire black community when other cultures is not that way? 
you know just because one person chooses to do that oh that does you know that doesn't mean that that speaks for that entire race of that culture or that entire culture in general you know and I just feel like you know in us internalizing that you know it's it's just it's it's I mean like you said you know I, I understand it but it's so unhealthy because I mean, honestly, how many free well, maybe that's not a good example. Never mind. I'm not gonna say it. Yeah, I don't want to sound like a professor or a or a person that is void of emotions, but we have to, and when I say we, it's it, it's exactly as uh Brother Knoxless just said. The black community as a whole, even to this day, sits at about 13% of the population. Some would say it's, a, it's almost 20% if you add in the factor of how many children were born to other cultures that actually came from either the egg of a black woman or the, the sperm of a black man. So, you know, But if you want to talk about descendants of Africans, 100% African blood, our population has hovered around 13%. Now that's 13% of the whole U.S. population. So, and then you have to add in this factor. There was an era in American history that started yeah, around 69, 70. And some say it even still goes on to this day. And that era, well, I'll, I'll go like this, 69, 70, definitely to 95. And that was the era of quotas. Before 68, before the signing of this, you know, before the passing of the Civil Rights Act, before the, the assassination of Dr. King, Malcolm X, um, there was, without a shot, a systematic denial of the advancement of Black people by Caucasian people who had and still have to this day the power of business inside the American borders. They just straight up were like, we don't want to hire you. You, If we do hire you, you're, you're going to take the least amount of pay and you're going to try to figure out how to uh, make it work. If you go off and do something on your own, then we're going to make it terribly difficult for you to even get off the ground. So then here comes 68, 69, 1970, and the federal government now begins to mandate things. When it comes to business, one of the very first mandates was quota or what we know today as affirmative action. Mm -hmm. Now, the reason why I bring this up, it's a possibility. I'm not saying it is the answer. It's a possibility that the, oh, if you do it, it looks bad on all of us, is a by mentality because of quotas. If the community as a whole could see one black person rise in America, 
because they only allow one black person to rise. That one black person had to be perfect, had to have the perfectly coiffed hair, had to have the perfect suit, clean, press, had to have the perfect set of shoes on, nice and shiny and real leather, and had hair to have cut every day. Every day. It had to have perfect diction. Could not be bonnet in English. Could not be grammatically incorrect when turning in any paperwork. So this, and, and we, and, and this is something I try to get anybody I speak to to understand. This is 2021. The Civil Rights Act was passed before, excuse me, after 1960. 1960 is 60 years. So we have not seen, oh, and, and let me add this. Most advancements that the Black population in America saw after the passing of civil rights was at the, what's the word I want to use? Most white folks didn't, didn't care to see it happen. They just, they didn't want to run afoul of the federal government. But if you look at the way the federal government works today, they don't really, they, they could, they could like, a businessman today that's Caucasian could literally not hire any African-Americans and there'd be so much bureaucracy and so many regulations and rules in place that he could operate without ever hiring because he may have the ability to just stay in court because everything is court mandated. You can't legislate somebody's heart. The way they think is the way they think. So when it comes to us, it was my long spiel to just basically say, when it comes to us critiquing ourselves, when it comes to our community critiquing our women, we do this critique and oftentimes fail to put it in the fullness of context of the country we live in. Like you got to know like you just said, Keeks, you got to know that we are in a time now where women, black women in particular, have put themselves in a position, and really truly it is put themselves in a position where they can oftentimes have the freedom to just move through a day. And if a black woman has the freedom to move through the day, she ain't trying to move to please all of them that's in the city, town, state, country she dwell in. So if she needs that bonnet on her hair for that whatever, that grocery run, that run to the post office, she ain't caring. <laughs> she, the, the last thing on her mind is I got to please some people. I, I, if, if I just wake up in the morning... And and think about this. I'm sorry I'm going on and on. No, um, no go ahead. You've been listening the whole episode. It's about time you know. <laughs> if, if, 
and, and I'm sorry, I'm logical. I, I, I really am. Most of my day is spent in the land of logic. Um, if you're talking about black women being in pajamas, I got to believe you're talking about the hours between 6 a.m. and 9 a.m. Because they probably run in to drop the kids off at school and they can accomplish a few tasks after they drop the kids off from school. Or you're talking about women that you see between the hours of 7 p.m. and 10 p.m. Because why? They may be making those last runs of the day for their children or their family. So I'm comfortable. Why? Okay. Why is the conversation today about pajamas and bonnets? And it's 2021, and we've spent the whole year telling people to stay at home. What do you wear when you're at home? <laughs> you telling me you're wearing a three-piece suit and a full Vera Wang dress at home? Yep. On the hopes that you might go out, you're going to tell me you got a full unit, lace front, killing it every day in the house? Just so you can take pictures on Instagram? I don't think think on the whole, the majority of women are doing that. So now we're we're quote unquote coming out of this panorama. And so if we're coming out, it's going to take a minute for people to adjust to this new reality oh, we're actually able to come outside and spend some time out. So yeah, black women are not ignorant. If they're going to be outside, they're going to dress appropriately for the activity that they're participating in. And this is the last thing I say, and I'll be quiet. That statement about the black women at the airport, being in their pajamas and in their bonnet, We don't know where they were going to or where they had just came from. Most flights, the average, and I looked this up, I really did. The (laughs) average airplane flight, just in general, is six and a half hours. That's the average. The average flight is about six and a half hours. You're going to tell me Without knowing where these black women came from or where they were going to, they could have been on an 18-hour flight. They could have been on a 12-hour flight. They could have been on a six-hour flight. And what did you tell us last week, Keeks? You let us know that, hey, the number one reason most black women wear bonnets is for protection of hairstyle, especially after they've been to the salon. So if I see a black woman in the airport and she's picking up her bags or dropping off her bags and she got her hair wrapped up or she got a bonnet on her head, nine times out of 10, she just came from the hair salon. So now why would I have something to say about her and she might be flying 18 hours, she might be flying 12 hours, she might be flying six hours. She don't have a right to protect her hair, especially if she bought her own ticket and then if she got natural hair, she don't want her hair on them nasty airplane seats. Right. Use your mind, man. Exactly. Because, child, listen, I know I definitely, I, I put on a hood, a hat, look. And even then, that's drying your hair out. At least with the satin bonnet, you're keeping your moisture. Hello. 
And so that's what, you know, that's where I go with it. You know, a man having the opportunity to speak what he sees when the subject matter is a black woman existing. Like, like you said, Brother Knoxless, just leave her alone. Just leave her alone. <laughs> like she really not bothering you. You bothering you and making it everyone else's problem. Exactly. Child. Solve your own problems, man. That's like, and I think that's the thing about defining your standards. Like when you live to someone else's standards, you, there's always going to be an issue. Mm-hmm. Your soul is telling you something. Your soul is telling you something. You have to figure it out. Because the whole world can tell you, bruh, your soul telling you, you need to stop caring about what you look like and actually like your clothes. And I just feel like you got to wear stuff. Like if the whole world just said that to you, you'd be like, man, shut up. That's not right. That's not true. So it don't matter if someone tell you or not. You have to go inside yourself and really sit down and ask that question. And not what your mama said, your grandmama said, big mama said. Nah, uh uh-uh. Define your standard for you, because it is your life. Hey, man. Self-definition. We're going to have to do an episode about that one, y'all. Going down on the topics list. Okay. I know we done mentioned that a couple of times. You know, we, we might have to dig into that one. Let them know, you know. Heck yeah, because shoot, sometimes the definition of your name might not be what you want to define yourself as. So, God, I redefine your name. How you? How do you redefine your name? Do something that your name is not, and then your name will t- will turn up to be it, because it'll be you. You are the progenitor of your life. Amen. See, I told y'all we we a team over here. Okay. Oh, we are a family, like a giant tree, branching out towards the sky. Okay. We are a family, and we're so much more. Okay, I don't know all the lyrics for real. Then oh, just you and I. I oh, you. come on. You are a family. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just want to cry. <laughs> you are a family. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Oh, this is the part of the family where everyone leaving. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you are hilarious. Fossil. <laughs> Um, so I have a quote but before I read my quote I want to ask y'all if y'all have any final thoughts oh man Brother Knox list (sighs) black man protect black women at all costs period amen 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 um, I, as you said, Keeks, I reached out to the women that, um, I interact with, whether it be once, twice, or daily. Mm-hmm. And I did, I asked them that specific question and I did, I received back from multiple women and I'm thankful that we as a, as a production team, as producers, were able to come together and, and really truly, uh, get these words for this episode. So um, I'm just going to speak what these women said. 
And um, I'm not going to be able to give everybody's response. I did get multiple. And when I say multiple, I got more than 10. Um, but I will list every woman's response inside our comment section on our Instagram page as well as our Facebook page. And so anyone who is listening to this episode, you can go to our social pages and you will be able to see each woman's response to the question. And the question was, oh, oh, before, you, before you read the question and answers, what, what, what are our social media pages? Our social media pages on Instagram is SFA Charlotte and on Facebook, it is SFA Charlotte. Uh, you can also reach us individually on Instagram, and Miss Keeks is Lord Have Mercy, L O R E, period, Have Mercy. Brother Knoxless is Knoxless, K N O X L I S T. And you can reach me, Brother Stokes, at Go See Big Bro. Go See Big Bro. <laughs> That's right. Sometimes you need to go see Big Bro. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so um, the question was, how would you define sisterhood? Just the basic, the basic question. And one one thing I will say before I read these uh, answers, there were five words that consistently came between mm. all, all these answers. Mm. And the five words was safety, mm. love, power or powerful, accountability or the ability to be able to hold someone accountable. And then the fifth word, which surprised me over and over again, was sanctuary. Mm. <laughs> A safe place, sanctuary. So it is so awesome to me that you, Keeks, had that in your in your definitions and the way that you define it when you began the episode. I was sitting there listening to it like, wow. <laughs> Black women really do, even if they are not monolithic, they have a base level desire of how they want to be interacted with. Especially by other, especially with other black women. So, um, Dr. S. Marie, she stated, "Sisterhood is a group of women that build, motivate, and encourage each other through positive words and actions and energy. It's recognizing another star. It's recognizing that another star doesn't diminish your shine." Mm. more stars the brighter the sky becomes mm. and come then, on now and then Nikki her answer was sisterhood is power simple when we unite it's like hellfire and holy water mixed sisterhood, Good God sisterhood is like watching bees work they come together and create colonies of life within themselves and make it fruitful for their families. 
Sisterhood is love, devotion, security, fear, and excitement. Norma, her response was, sisterhood is a bond beyond blood. It is an intimate relationship that embraces change over time and encourages unapologetic movements. Mm. Ashley, she said, I would define sisterhood as togetherness of women, having one another's best interest in mind and looking out for one another. Sisterhood is fixing each other's crown. It is mm. each other up, true love for one another. And then last, and this is like something that just almost made me cry for real. Mm. This is a little, little sister. Like recently graduated high school is about to enter college. That young, 18 years old. Come on, she said, sisterhood is a personal connection, a spiritual and a spiritual bond amongst women. It is where women would build each other up and protect each other as if it were their own selves. Sisterhood is something sacred. It is a key role to building a community. Child, I wish I could hug every single one. Child, y'all got me over here. Oh, I'm so touched. I'm just, I love being a black woman. I just love being a black woman. I'm just so excited. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Thank you for y'all. Yes. Yes. I promise. I wish I could hug every single one of y'all. I love y'all. And I truly mean that. I love y'all. If y'all listening to this, I love you. I love you and I appreciate you and your beauty and your uniqueness and your powerful girl. DM me on Instagram. Okay. I love that. That's so awesome and so beautiful. Oh, I feel so touched. Man. I'm sorry. I'm just basking in the moment. Oh, listen, bass is bass. Man, that's so awesome. I just, I love that. I love that so much. So, I'm going to read a quote. Um, This quote comes from Black Feminist Thought by Patricia Hill Commons. Again, I'm just going to throw in, I encourage everyone to read this book. It's a very great book, you know. Very awesome. But this quote, you can be, you can find it on page 167. And then after I read this quote, I actually want to close out with the poem. So the quote reads, loving relationships among Black women do pose a threat to systems of intersecting oppressions. How dare these women love one another in a context that deems Black women as a collectivity so unlovable and devalued, end quote. I know that's kind of like, you know, well, dang, you know, but that's how society sees us. So it's like when we come together, y'all, like, listen. We unstoppable. Us coming together like it 
y'all y'all the quote says it poses a threat to systems of intersecting oppressions and us coming together and having sisterhood like y'all we breaking walls we shattering invisible ceilings like yo and us coming together that's how powerful and impactful we are black women sisterhood I love y'all so much and I appreciate y'all so much. But I want to end this with a poem written by Alice Walker. This poem I received from her book. um, The title of the book is Hard Times Require Furious Dancing. Mm. And the title of this poem specifically is called This Room. It reads, This room is very powerful. Buddha golden holding down one side the primordial great mother black offering her bead of mitochondria holding down the other my meditation chairs are made of wicker a miracle crafted by human hands human being may I not forget you in all this talk of God that's the end, y'all. Mm-mm. Come on now. And just reading that, I was like, that's that's how that's black women right there. I love that. I love that. This has been another fire, amazing, touching, warming, comforting episode by SFA Charlotte. We want to thank y'all for tuning in. We want to thank y'all for y'all support and for y'all commentary and thank you to everyone who interacted with us in a previous episode and even in this one. We appreciate y'all and we thank y'all so, so much. We hope y'all continue to have a beautiful, blessed, and a phenomenal day. And remember to always strive for achievement. We out. Peace. Peace.